Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, the Ayatollah of Jack and Cola, Bobby Blaze. Oh, man. Pin me, pay me already, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> How are you, Professor? I am I'm okay, <laughs> with, besides all the smoke. Oh and, yeah, man! I heard about that. It's uh, we're we're a little boxed in over here. The sky is the wrong color. There's just just smoke everywhere. Pick the hell of a time to stop smoking, I guess, because the the state's gonna keep doing it for me. Yeah, I heard that, man. What 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 do you say about um? At this point, this has just been a you, you hate to blame it on a year, but it's been a crazy year, right? It has. Um, so yeah, it's just we was just talking off the air, man. It's just it's it's just been really crazy. You know, I was talking to a guy, I didn't realize, you know, heck, a year of this had passed by, a year of that, and I'm like, man, since March, it's like time has just been just going to say it's been fucked up, man, for yeah, me. Yeah, uh, I've had a really emotional kind of a uh, last three or four kind of days. My um, just a little bit of anxiety of like uh, I think this is kind of hit me again with you know just kind of what's going on out there of all the people wearing masks and what's going on around the country and. And, you know, just around the world, even, so I'm just like, this has been a fucked up kind of year. But, you know, we're going to have a good podcast, of course. We're not going to let that bring us down. I'm just saying, it's just been so crazy, man. So uh, this is one of the bright spots. Looking forward to my Sundays that we record this with you. I will say that, so thank you. It's one of the few ups I have. Yeah, it's it's just a weird, it's like an anxious, crazy time. And Yeah. Uh, you know, I was saying to somebody this week, you know, I was only halfway joking when I said it. It's like if Godzilla popped out of the ocean today and flattened San Francisco, we'd all just kind of shrug and move on, you know, just be like, yeah. Well, yeah. there's a possibility of that happening. I mean, that really is the way things are going now. Oh, yeah. Don't be surprised, right? You might as well get ready to shrug, people. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but anyhow, this week we are calling this episode Pin Me, Pay Me. It is uh, Season 5, Episode 2, and why are we calling it Pin Me, Pay Me? Well, we're going to talk about some enhancement talent, man. Just going to talk about, we're going to do a top 10. Uh, we got good response back last week on our top 10 on Bruiser Brody. Had a good bunch of downloads on that. We appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, you want me to talk about the, um, go ahead right now and talk about the difference between our jobbers and carpenters enhancement talent, how we're kind of looking at this podcast today. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. We'll set it up. Then we'll hear from anchor and then we'll drop in and talk about the top 10. Okay. Well, so here's what I feel. Okay. And I know a lot of people feel this way. Uh, jobbers. No. Okay. That's just, to me, that's just not disrespectful because I'm going to put it in layman's terms. And I think you and I can relate to this and I'm sure some of our listeners get Everyone's got a job. You got a job, whether you're a plumber or a teacher, uh, an electrician, you know, a mechanic, whatever it is you do, that's your job. You go to it and you do it, okay? And, mm-hmm. you, and you know, some people really look forward to doing their jobs. And so, um, yeah, there's squash matches and there's people that just, you know, that, get, that got beat up on TV on a regular basis, you know, whatever. We're not going to really go there and, and calling people, you know, jobbers. I just feel like it's a little bit disrespectful because we all have a job to go to. Yeah. Um, Next, I think is is uh, there's a fine line here too. You got your carpenters, man, and that's I refer to a lot of these guys. We're talking about today is going to be we're calling them enhancement talent. I'll just kind of get to that in a second. Um, you know, Arn Anderson said that he was um, he was enhancement talent, and and I feel like he was one of the bigger stars, you know. And then he said that you know Brad Armstrong was probably the best in ring flawless enhancement talent. But we're not going to really go with, with those kind of guys there. 
And we're not going to go with guys like um, the goon or TJ Hopper or someone like that that had, you know, careers outside of the, you know, wrestling industry. And, and, you know, they did have runs at, at different times in their careers. So we're kind of looking at carpenters at a, as a building blocks, you know, that you build your, they build up the biggest stars. They, they can go out there every night, look forward to doing their job. Thus, you know, you say, okay, I've, I've got a job to do tonight. And instead of saying, oh, well, um, you know, I got to go deliver the milk or deliver the mail, just kind of foreshadowing our top 10 here kind of thing. Uh, but looking forward to like, man, I got a job. I'm going to go. I got a chance to wrestle who Goldberg or whoever it may be. You know what I'm saying? And they look forward to it and they can they can make that guy look good, help him get off his stuff over. Um, and then, of course, uh, make his finish look good. You know, and that's where you build your stars at. But we're going to look also to more today. And we're saying enhancement talents, what we're calling this. Um, and I know that Jeff, Andy, I know you're out there listening. We'll give you a quick <laughs> shout out. You've wanted this kind of a podcast for at least a couple of years now on enhancement talent. So I hope this uh, lives up to your standards and I hope our listeners will enjoy it, but we're looking more at enhancement talent as the guys that we saw pretty regular every week throughout the, I don't know. we got some of these guys. I think they all pretty much go through eighties and nineties. I don't know if we go back to the seventies, maybe a couple of them. I, I still, a couple of them are still out there today doing stuff. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, independent matches and TV matches, even as we'll get to. But anyway, um, I'm just trying to think that the best way to say it is we're not talking about your Hulk Hogan, your Ric Flair, but someone has to make these guys look good. And again, we're not talking about an Arn Anderson because he's right there, a Flair and a Horseman and those type things. You know, we're talking about guys that and we're not talking about even myself. Or like um, uh, what come to mind was a thing where Buddy Landell uh, had finished up at Smoky Mountain, had that killer match with Shawn Michaels, and he went on uh, WWE TV and was supposed to be some enhancement talent. And I think um, uh, Armad Johnson's one beat him like really quick. Well, that doesn't make him a jobber. You know what I'm saying? Right. He had a job to do, and he say, he stayed safe that night because, you know, Ahmad, I guess, was a little bit rough with people and hurt people and this and that, but, but he treated him with respect and knew this is my job, you know. And the same thing, that's why I'm looking at these guys here are guys that I feel like are the carpenters that enhanced some of the best talent in the world to help them get over. So I hope I've clarified that for everyone. But uh, let's just say you can say pin me, pay me, but no to jobbers, you know. Yeah, um, you know, uh, before we dip out for a quick commercial here, I watched a little bit of Al Snow talking about quote-unquote job guys the other day. Okay. And first off, I want to say Al Snow, that guy must have, like, started wrestling less and working out more because he looks 20 years younger than he did 20 years ago. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I've been watching a lot of little clips of him kind of giving wrestling insight and advice. It usually looks like he's teaching a class more than an interview. Man, I've learned more probably in a couple minutes of his videos on very specific topics than I ever have by checking stuff out or asking questions or reading books. There yeah. are some things that he he just very insightful on, but he brought up job guys. And he goes, first off, you got to realize that we're not talking about doing the job. When we say job guys, we're talking about guys who a show comes through their town, they pack up their car, they go take the job that night. There you go. <laughs> you know, that's the, you he go. goes, that's where that term comes from. You know, so I was like, oh, well, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, Al broke in so when he was so young, man, and um, is such a good, phenomenal talent in the ring as well, and uh, has such a great mind for the business. So I, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying that. Yeah. Uh, no, he's he really is something to pay attention to. Yeah. Cool. 
cool deal. Well, let's drop a um, pre-recorded message from Anchor, or are you going to do this live, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> totally spontaneous. Oh, what do you say? You got any? We're going to do our enhancement talent. I think we've got a pretty solid top ten. I'm curious. Do you have any honorable mentions? Because I didn't see one in your notes, and I didn't send you mine. And I may surprise you if mine. I don't know. I may surprise a few people. But uh, do you have anyone that you have uh, that you'd like to see on our list, or made an honorable mention, or um, needs mentioning on this podcast well, right now? Uh, the guy I was really pulling for made the list. So okay. So I'm, you know, Bobby, I'm going to defer to you. Okay. And then if if a secondary person I'm thinking of isn't him, then I will uh, I will pipe in. Okay. Well, do you know John Cougar Mellencamp? He is the second most famous person from Seymour, Indiana. Did you know that? I didn't know he was the second most, no. Yeah, because you know who the first one is? Who's that? The hustler, Rip Rogers. Oh, Rip yeah. Rogers. Yeah. He's from Seymour, Indiana. Um, and, of course, it's uh, John Cougar Mellencamp. He appeared in a couple of his videos early on. Um, and to me, that's 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 who's going to make my honorable mention. I, I wanted to put him on a list, but I think Rip deserves a big shout-out. And, of course, he's a trainer down at OVW. He's trained over 50, I think it's last count, like or 54 guys that made it to, like, the WWE through the years. And um, he's still out there. You know, he still goes to these seminars and training. Rip looks great. Um, saw him last April, a year ago, April now, make that, excuse me, and uh, always in fantastic shape. And I was a fan of his when I was a young kid because he was one of the heels. He used to uh, room and work out with Randy DeMacho Man Savage, uh, because the Popos broke uh, Rip Rogers in uh, pretty much. He had, he didn't get much training early on. He I think he had his first match in Oak Hill, West Virginia, maybe for a TV taping, floated around a little bit, and ended up ended up uh, into the ICW International Championship Wrestling, and ended up uh, rooming with uh, Randy Savage and learning his craft. He he credits the Popos, you know, to learning everything from Randy, and they they trained a lot of people back then. But that's and I end up uh, on several shows in the future. Uh, with Rip Rogers, uh, several Bobby Fulton shows. He used to use Rip and myself, and we'd we'd do singles, the captains match like they did out in Dallas, and then we'd do a tag match, and and Rip and I'd be wrestling Bobby and some other little baby face, you know, back in the day. But anyway, I, I hope I surprised you there. That's my uh, enhancement talent because he worked territories also. He worked Puerto Rico, Japan, England. I know he worked up in the Maritimes where I worked. He worked down in Continental, and of course he done TV for WCW and uh, old NWA, WCW and WWF and E, and um, so there's Rip. There you go. Well, you know, that is actually a great one, and he's another guy. Like, go follow him on Twitter. Absolutely. Fuck yes. Yeah, because, uh, again, you talk about guys who have an insight for the business. He is way high on my list. Absolutely. Hustler, Hustler Rip Rogers. There you go. Yeah, no, that's a, that is a great pick, and I wouldn't be able to touch that one, so uh, I am not going to have an honorable mention this week. Okay, I got you. I yeah. got you. I want to surprise you, Fat, and I hope I did, man. You did. That was a great a Good great deal. choice, yeah. Yeah, I thought about it uh, probably since Friday. I, I didn't have one on that list all week. I, I didn't wasn't sure what was going to go, and I said yesterday, I was like, started Friday thinking, how do I do this? And we hadn't had them on our pre-list, you know, we how we do things, start off like 15 different people maybe, and we got it down to... 12 or so, and then we put them in order, and, you know, so with that, here goes our top 10 uh, enhancement talents of all time. Do uh, you want to start with number 10 since I spoke so much about Rip? Sure thing. Okay, so number 10, we are going to go with the Italian Stallion. All right. Yes, sir. Now, you've got him marked as NWA, but I think he worked everywhere. 
Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. He sure did. Uh, real nice guy too. At um, <laughs> when I first met him, I don't and I don't know him that well, but when I first met him, uh, he had actually was on. Um, he had been. He actually, I can't remember for sure any of the other newscast, but I know he was on CNN News. He made it because he set a world record over at Roma Three in Princeton, West Virginia. He ate like a pound of pasta in like 17 seconds or something at the Roma Three restaurant, where the boys just stop over in West Virginia. It's a very nice Italian restaurant over in the uh, Princeton area, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, uh, he ate he ate that pasta. I think it was like. Seven. It was a world record at that time, uh, and I was like, everyone, you know, all the boys pop for it, of course, because he's one of the boys eating eating pasta, you know. Well, yeah. So, and Italian food is just good. So yes, yeah. there you go. Um, and he wrestled all over, the, you know, like I said, he wrestled NWA, WCW, WWF, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Florida Championship Wrestling. Uh, went to New Japan, I think you said. Um, pretty much. 23 years in the ring. That's a pretty good, damn good job to have, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did want to point out a couple things here that, um, yeah, Bobby, you, of course, remember this when wrestling was really hot in the 80s. They were even trying to get sitcoms on the air. Yeah, okay. And, and there was one called Learning the Ropes with Lyle, yes. Lyle Alzado. Yes. And the Italian Stallion was his stunt double. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. I didn't know that about I sorry about that. I was throwing my damn something across the room there. Yeah, um I remember that show actually, but I didn't know that was his stunt double. Cool. Yeah. Unless I got something wrong, but yeah, that's what I came up that's what I came across in a couple of things I read. Now okay. that that was kind of a wild show. You take an ex Oakland Raider, yeah, but, but you have him playing a uh, pro wrestler and then you write it like a standard sitcom, but you have like the Road Warriors show up every other episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was such a mark. Mark, I watched it, but I know it wasn't, it wasn't a very good sitcom. I mean, it just, it just wasn't. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, anyway. Anyway, let's move on. I have nothing else to say because my mind all of a sudden just like jumped to save to the bell and I started thinking about girls. You know, what oh, am I going to do? Yeah. I Kelly, started shifting gears on you, man. Sorry about that. Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Uh, I just I just went there because, yeah. you know, uh, they they wrestled on that show too, you know. Yes, they did. AJ was a wrestler, right? Uh, yeah, so. we probably shouldn't admit to watching that show. Yeah, I know. Anyway, yeah, you want to talk about? I'm older than you, so yeah. <laughs> you, you want to talk uh, about bad television in general? Yeah, Pretty, well, that's what I was kind of yeah. going with, man. I was just like, that's I was drawing up, up, but see, also I'm such a mark when I when I went to that, I also went to. Uh, <laughs> Leah Remini, because she was she was like a teenager on that show as a lifeguard or something. Yes, or she was. Yeah, she was on it when she was like seventeen or eighteen. Um, I don't know if that was one of her first big breaks before she was on King of the Queens, of course, when she's older. But she used to be well, she still is pretty damn hot, man. Yeah, that's a, my mind went from from at, uh, Saved by the Bell to to uh, Leah. Yeah, that's well, <laughs> that's that's a fair one too, because I mean, she was a, definitely a looker. Uh, you know, well, I mean. Yeah. Like style, you know, it's just that accent that, uh, you know, I don't know, man. She what got, are you gonna do? She got that rough Jersey street sound to her. Yeah. yeah. Like she just smoked a pack of cigarettes and drank a beer and said, get in the back of this fucking car. And I'm a, you know, <laughs> yep. Um, uh, well, uh, so, so, on, well, Woo. before we, before we run off the Italian stallion here, yeah. uh, I guess he was partners with George South in a promotion and a wrestling school and, or I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in 1994, PWI ranked him number 213 of the 500 best singles wrestlers that year. 
Oh, cool. And he's the guy who got the Hardys into the WWE. Now there yeah. is there is a dirty rumor or two here that they got paid 150 bucks a night and he charged them 100 each. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. That sounds about right. But yeah, he'd come around some of the Smoky Mountain shows. And then when I first started WCW, he was still coming around some of those shows too. But uh, I didn't get to know the stallion real, real good. But I, but I, I, you know, I met him several times. And like I said, uh, the pasta eating king, what are you going to do, right? Exactly. So we'll yeah, put exactly. him over. We'll put him at number 10. And we'll move on to number nine. Now, I'm going to rectify and verify something here. I said okay. a couple weeks ago, okay? I said this next guy coming up was my uh, grandmother, one of my grandmothers uh, on the East Coast out there, one of her favorite wrestlers. I have to say this. Her favorite wrestler was actually Tony Atlas because he's from Roanoke, Virginia, okay? Okay. That's where she was born at way back in 1925. She's since deceased this uh, facility. But (laughs) I made mention that this next guy that's going to make our number nine list, that he was her favorite because he was, because she had a mailman that looked like him. And I can't <laughs> say enough about my dear old granny, but let's just say you got Tony Atlas because he's from your hometown. And then your next, or your, you know, your favorite wrestler is SD Jones from the WWE and the NWA. Okay. Yep. Uh, man, I remember SD Jones and my grandmother, she just really liked him. And I asked her, and the rumor was there, we had a mailman that looked like S.T. Jones. Now, I don't know. Just putting that out there for you folks. Um, making no accusations, Granny. Just letting you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, we're talking about the S.D. Jones. Uh, now, did he use a mailman gimmick or something? Um, he was special delivery. Was he FedEx? Was he UPS? Was he the USP, you know, Postal Service? What was, you know, what's the deal? I don't know. Maybe he was an early driver for DHS. I don't. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. He was an early driver. Let's just say yeah. that. I guess. We'll just go with or the that. mailman in Maryland was. I don't know. So trained by Johnny Ross, right? Yeah. Uh, S. D. Jones has kind of a conflicting career in a way here. Um, yeah. He was the NWA America's Tag Champ three times, I believe, with two different partners. Okay. Um, but he's also the guy who set the WrestleMania loss record at nine seconds with King Kong Bundy. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, man. But here's what I took of that. Here's what I think about that. When I read that in your notes, and I appreciate it, fans, once again, it's thanks to the professor for these terrific notes he comes up with. Um, I even tried to do the uh, bullet points the other day, and I couldn't. I just, anyway. Um, hey, S.D. Jones, he had a job. Yep. It was at WrestleMania. He got a fucking WrestleMania payoff, man. That's terrific, I think. So, you know, there you go. Uh, the enhancement was he enhanced King Kong. He made King Kong Bundy a bigger star that night. That yep. was his job, you know? So, and he set a record that still stands today, I guess. Right. I believe so. I don't think anybody's, <laughs> I don't think anybody's been knocked out quicker than that. I believe Bundy also insisted on the five count on that one. Okay. Okay. So, that means the match was four seconds with a five count. There you go. Four yeah. seconds. Wow. But you know what so SD Jones, I was going to say, you know what SD Jones probably said on his way out of the ring? <laughs> Thank you. Well, <laughs> that so, that or look, you you pinned me now pay me. There you go, man. There you go. Yeah. Nice work. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I see here he inducted uh, Tony Atlas into the Hall of Fame, who I made mention of earlier. Yep. Uh, from Roanoke, Virginia, and of course him himself was uh, SD Jones was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, the class of 2019. Is that correct? Yes, he was. All right. See, so that's not a bad job to have, man, of being a damn Hall of Fame of that magnitude. No. And say what you will about whatever company, just saying, hey, there you go. That's a big honor. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I had to put this one in there just because it's kind of just such an oddball thing. He was Andre, the giants tag team partner. The night Andre got his haircut by Kim Patera. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you know, it's funny is Kim Patera's name actually would have been in here a lot more if I hadn't edited it down so much. I forget what a big star he was before he lost his shit at McDonald's. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fucking, uh, one of the strongest Americas of all time on the yep. Olympic team, first American to ever lift 500 pounds over his head, you know, and then, you know, had a huge, uh, huge wrestling career, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Kim Patera. Yeah. So what we're saying people is, um, don't get mad and take it out on the McDonald's people. It, it will, <laughs> it will ruin your wrestling career. Let's go to number eight. Okay. Which is Rocky King. Now, this is a guy I don't know a whole lot about, Bobby, so I'm going to ask yeah. you to kind of talk this one through for us. Okay. Well, Rocky King, man. First of all, Rocky, one of the best guys you ever meet. Just a really good guy. Um, I remember him breaking, when he, basically when he was breaking in. It said here he was actually homeless when he when he broke in because he's hanging around the Crockett offices all the time. And uh, Jim Crockett Jr. gave him a job. Now, you know, I, that's just what Wikipedia says, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know he started with the National Wrestling Alliance under Jim Crocker Promotions. And I remember around 1985-ish, 84, somewhere around that time, uh, started seeing him on TV and stuff. The uh, the thing about Rocky King, so I guess when Crockett started getting really bigger and bigger, and this story's coming secondhand, and then I verified it through Rocky, so it is true. And so Rocky, when I, when I, when I met him, uh, was, was back in WCW. He was doing some wrestling. He was also doing the ring crew, and he also uh, was was actually doing some refereeing. So I got several little things here, little bits about uh, Rocky. One one thing was uh, it was the arm. It was uh, uh, Brad Armstrong and uh, Scott Armstrong against Malenko and Benoit at the Universal tapings. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rocky King, Rocky now. We've talked about Brad Armstrong enough that, you know, his little off camera, he was so fucking hilarious and funny and great guy. So Rocky King's refereeing doesn't have that much experience on camera refereeing. Okay. But been in the business at this point, probably, you know, 15 years, whatever it was, it passed. And they're beating up Scotty in the ring, double teaming him, whatever. Brad jumps up on the second rope and like trying to reach him. Right. And Rocky King turned around and says, get down. And when he does, Brad starts break down <laughs> on the ring apron, starts breakdancing a little bit, and Rocky King loses the shit right there. <laughs> Luckily, it's worldwide tapings at Universal. It's like three months taped in advance. And Rocky comes to the locker room. We was all just laughing our ass off because Brad broke down, you know. And um, so that's just one Rocky King story. The other one I want to tell you about that I really thought was funny. Back in the days of Crockett, apparently, you know, when they started doing an A team and a B team, and Dusty and Nikita and the Road Warriors all doing the A-team, you know, boom. And they're dividing these guys out, and they're doing two and three towns a night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess they had all the guys in the locker room, the, the way it was told. And Ricky Morton's the one that's told me this with Robert Gibson, the great Rock and Roll Express. So anyway, I guess they started saying, okay, here's your A-team. They named not Dusty, and they knew these guys were going here. And then, and then here's your B-team and the Rock and Roll Express, and, and the guys going that direction, you know. So, uh Come Rocky King, they said, you know, he's on the A-team. They said, you know, Rocky's going with the A-team, I guess, to be enhancement talent, to open the shows or whatever, right? Right. Apparently, Rocky stood up and said, excuse me, Mr. Crockett. He goes, "Um, I think I'm going to go up the B-team if you don't mind. And he said, you know, son, are you sure? He goes, whatever Crockett says, you know, are you – 
you got a chance to be on the A team here, you know, opening the matches and this and that. He goes, I get, and I verified this through Rocky because, like I said, Ricky told me, and Ricky could tell it a hell of a lot better. But basically, Rocky said, yes, sir, I'm sure he goes, because right now I make more money <laughs> carrying a Rock and Roll Express's luggage around driving him in and out of the buildings than what you're paying me, sir. <laughs> 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 so he said, okay. So Crockett let him go to stick with the, the Rock and Roll Express because he was driving him in and out of the buildings, you know, and carrying her luggage in and out of the building so they can get out of the, so many people swamping them, you know. And I guess Ricky and Robert both tipping him like a buck or $200 a night or whatever, plus what he's making for Crockett. But whatever they was paying him was fucking better than what he was paying him to wrestle. That's so that's a pretty good gig to have, too. Yeah. yeah. And I met, uh, when I first got to WCW, way before that other show I was mentioning where he was refereeing, uh, he was he was doing some ring work. And um, uh, he co- I asked him about that story, and we started talking and stuff. We hit it off right from the beginning. And um, I remember one night I was going to have to be some talent enhancement. I was brought in to, to do a, uh, some work with and, and do about an eight-minute match with Booker T, the best that, from what I could tell from the booking I got there, end up being um, pretty much a three-second squash match with uh, – uh, I can't remember his name. But anyway, it's not important right this second of the story because the important thing was I was kind of down about it. And I was making pretty good money at Turner Sports at the time, you know, WCW, whatever. And Rocky come to me in the back, and we was just talking. And I was like, man, I was supposed to do this, and this happened. And, and it was all just a clusterfuck. It all worked out, of course. Yeah. But he goes, he says to me, he goes, Bobby, look at me. Uh, yeah, man, what? And I, he goes, he goes, did your check come this week? And I, yes, yes, it did. And he goes, get out there. Go out there, man. <laughs> this is a fucking great job, you know. And he was sitting up ring at that time. I didn't mean, like I said, he'd, he'd done several different things. He had pretty much stopped rest part of it. But I was like, yeah, you're right, man. Fuck yeah, I got a check, you know. Just the other day before I hit the road, uh, you know, FedEx drove up and gave me a check, you know. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool, Rocky. And, of course, uh, I always remember the story about him and George South when they went out there to Kansas City, I think it was. And they both told this story at one point or another. And I guess they were basically starving on the road, making $35, $50 a night, whatever it was. But you got your hotels and your living expenses. And you're just trying to get experience and stuff. But every time the Rock and Roll Express, again, to put them over, come to town, they made sure Rocky and George had food, shelter, you know, got a good payoff and all that. So I really look forward to Ricky and Robert coming out there and talking to them and helping them and stuff. Oh, right so anyway, that's that's pretty cool. But but uh, yeah, Rocky King's just a good dude, man. I think he's over in Atlanta, Georgia area. I'm not sure if he's still in that area or not. Uh, but I wish, I hope he's doing well. I know that. I know he's do, he was doing some work with the homeless and uh, uh, food shelters with Jeff Foxworthy. I do know that that, really? that he was doing some stuff in Atlanta for that. Yes, as as of a couple years ago, he was doing some stuff with the. Uh, uh, food and, and homeless shelters, and I'm not mistaken, food drives. And I know he was involved with some things with Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, it was pretty big to help raise some food in that area, uh, food banks and stuff. Uh, right on. Anyway, check that out. I haven't followed him for a while because, you know, I'm not on Facebook and stuff. I just do the Twitter, which I'm a plug right now. You can find me at Bobby Blaze at 744. You can find Jeremy here, the professor, at the Geekish Cast. Or if you're on Twitter, and I know there's one on Facebook too, but you just go to uh, Bell to Bell Blaze, and that's on Twitter. And that's the joint account. And Jeremy will put his name if he writes something. I'll put my name if I write something. But generally, it's just an account that goes to help you know support this podcast, and and I appreciate it, man, very much. If you give us a follow and uh, maybe retweet some of our tweets and and you know help build our podcast up. So uh, anyway, just wanted to play that in there because I know number seven. Unless you got anything to say about Rocky or our accounts or anything. Um, I know you have something you want to say about number seven. 
Well, okay, so <laughs> this is the one I mentioned last week by name right. as we close the show. Jake the Milkman Milliman. Um, you have to help me out. Okay. okay. This, he was just like a little hedgehog looking fucker in the AWA. I mean, he was in the WWF at one point too, but <clears throat> this guy had a losing streak. I'm just going to give you some of the names here. Okay. <laughs> Ken Patera, Jerry Blackwell, Brad Ringens, Rene Goulet, Bobby Duncan Sr., Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, Jer- uh, Kurt Hanning, Larry Zbysko, Billy Robinson, Nick Bockwinkle, the crusher, the actual crusher. Yeah. Um, Got the Ganya, Jim Brunzel, Jesse the Body Ventura, Stephen Regal, that's Mr. Electricity, not yep. the other one. Yep. Uh Kevin Kelly, and he was in several tag team matches against the Fabulous Freebirds. I don't believe he ever won any matches until towards the time when the AWA was about to close, and then he got two wins over Colonel De Beers. Probably one of the easiest to hate heels ever in pro wrestling because he yeah. was he was playing a South African racist apartheid guy. During the days when apartheid was about to be forced to an end by uh, by other governments who would no longer do trade with South Africa if they wouldn't yeah. outlaw it. Um, when he dropped a quote-unquote big Scott Hall on his face with a pile driver, uh, he compared Scott Hall to um, the O-ring that blew in the Challenger. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, dude, He this guy, he used to just shit on it. He was, he was a good villain. I, mean, I remember hating the fucking guy. Right? But how, how, man, that list of names, how the fuck could anyone beat them guys? Well, to <laughs> you be. You know what I'm saying? That's a tough list of guys to, yeah. to, to be in a ring against, man. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, to be fair. So, Jake the Milkman Milliman here at the ending days of the AWA uh, has a turkey on a pole match with Colonel DeBeers. <laughs> Okay. Swipes the turkey out of Colonel De Beers' hands. The ref sees the, him holding the turkey, declares him the winner. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things, like I said, was this guy was like, you know, this little hedgehog-looking dude with, if I remember right, he had like a big beard and a, and a rat tail haircut. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, okay. You know, and he was a pudgy little dude, right? And and I remember before I knew anything about wrestling, you would watch wrestling, you'd see a guy like that come out, and you'd just be like, oh, fuck, what is this guy? This guy is going to get killed. What is he even <laughs> doing here, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you learn about wrestling, and you realize these guys went to school. These guys trained. These guys knew what they were doing. This was their job, and their job was to make other wrestlers look better. The reason these guys look like super badasses is because guys like Jake Millman and all the other guys on this list were good at their jobs. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Wow. That's awesome, man. I love that. I yeah. remember, but, but not nearly in detail like you do, man. That, that, that just blows me away. So yeah, um, I don't, I don't remember the first match I saw him in. I, but I yeah. think it was against like Nick Bockwinkle or one of those, those stature guys. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely, you're just, man. and you're just like, fuck, they're going to kill this fucking guy. Why is he even, who let him in the building? <laughs> Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. The milkman, where did that come from? Was he a milkman? I Was think that it's, his real job? I or? think it's just because his last name rhymed with it. Okay, just making sure if that was an offshoot of anything. I just kind of wanted to make sure. So it's basically a play on his last name, Milliman. That's so that's Jake, the that, milkman Milliman. That's the way I understood it. Now, okay. I, I got to close with two things here. Um, back in 2016, the WWE premiered a wrestler named Gary the Milkman Milliman. In Jake's honor. Oh, okay. Uh, but also in 2008, Jake Milliman and Frankie DeFalco won the AWA tag team titles from the Heartbreak Express. How? 
18 years after the AWA closed. <laughs> so I got, uh, to, I got to looking around at this too. There's a guy out there right now claiming to be AWA champion and Steve Carino like 10 years ago was AWA champion. Can you just say that, you know, if, if a company's out, can you just like be like old Enoki uh, about it and just be like, oh yeah, I'm the, I'm the AWA champion. Cause if so, I'm the AWA America's champion. There you go. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. The AWA American champer, champion, Jeremy, the Professor Vilmer. That's now right. you got that to go in your title, Captain. Mm-hmm. All we'll right, I that, like that. Put that the on American the old resume? Title. Yeah. Yep, add another uh, notch in your belt loop there, brother. That's right. So, good deal. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, what can you say, man? Uh, I don't know. Congratulations, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I it just made me wonder because it, it turned out Anoki carried the NWF title for like 18 years after the NWF closed. Yeah. So I just got me wondering, like, so if if a company's gone, can you just say you're the champion? Then I remembered your buddy uh, Chris Candido. Didn't he claim to be WWA World Champion? He did indeed. He yeah. did. He disregarded all the other World Championships and said he was the real World Champion at one time. So yeah, sure did. Sure did. Yeah, I think um, I saw some pictures of him the other day on on uh, Twitter passing by. I thought that was pretty cool to see him back when he was in shape and stuff and, and in his younger days. Um, brings back a few memories, of course. So yeah, yeah. yeah he had that he had that big old chunk of a belt that just looked horrendous, man. That he come in a Smoky Mountain with, of course. At that time, I had a really nice the junior heavyweight title that Jimmy had gotten for me. I think it's actually owned by Scotty Armstrong. It was really a red, white, and blue, real nice plate. It was a, a U.S. Uh, junior heavyweight championship belt that we used, and uh, it was just beautiful, man. And uh, Candido was always putting that belt down. Of course, the climax was he was going to throw it in a fucking river on me, and I got there <laughs> just in time, and he ended up throwing my ass in a cold river, which was a lake. But nonetheless, it was cold, <laughs> and it was cold as a horse heart out there, I'll say that. And I went in there, had a pulled MCL, and I had a big brace on my knee. I couldn't hardly run once I got out of the mud and the gook and the water to chase his ass down. Uh, which I could have had I not had that knee brace on, but he got he got the best of me. I had to get out of that water and try to run, and I I was wet and and had the knee brace on. He's just pulling ass away like uh, you can't eat, oh you son of a. And they went beep. <laughs> of course we you know we had some turkey matches. I was going to bring it up earlier when you talked about when Millman had the tur the turkey on a pole matches. So yeah. Um, anyway, good memories like I said, uh, like sharing that story with you. But with that said, let's move on to number six. How's that? Yes. Let's do. So go right ahead. I'm going to tell you his name, then you tell us a little bit, and then I'll say one quick little thing. I I only met this person. I met him a couple of times probably, but just once in a real funny way uh, that that happened. But go ahead. Mike Jackson. All right. Now, so I, I, um, I'm going to – Everyone remembers Mike Jackson, I think. Action Mike Jackson. Action. Oh, yes. Good recall, Professor. Yeah. Uh, so Mike Jackson wrestled in the NWA, I believe WCW, several territories in the NWA, AWA, and Mid-South as well. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I kind of question putting him on this list because, well, he's the toughest old bastard on the planet because he was just on TV three months ago kicking the shit out of Johnny Swinger on Impact. 
Yeah. And he yeah, was and he was walking the ropes and diving off the third <laughs> turnbuckle. Um and I'm afraid if we call him a job guy, is he gonna come kick the shit out of me and take my American title? Is that what I have to look forward you, to? You you might have that to look forward to. I just know this, okay? I know he worked for WWF as well. I know Johnny Swinger, by the way, and I know he has a good little talent there. But uh when I was in WWF way back when in the early nineties there, uh just just by quick story about Mike Jackson here, here might be your way out of it. Okay. 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 I just remember uh, I wrestled someone down in, in Florida uh, uh, doing an enhancement for TV. I don't, I really don't recall who it was. To be honest with you, um, but anyway, Mike Jackson apparently brought down a bunch of guys from Alabama to do the TV tapings or quote do the jobs for that night. Pack your bags, like you said, get on the road. You know, go down to the arena and and do your job. And so. Apparently, and I don't know who these guys were, um, you know, if they ever wrestled again or what have you, they could have been coming stars because I didn't really, no one really, everyone looked and laughed kind of. Yeah. Uh, but uh, apparently uh, they were hanging back and, and Mike Jackson ready to leave the arena and he yells back, he goes, what, 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 who did I bring with me? Did I bring a bunch of wrestlers and I bring a bunch of marks? And I guess the guys he had brought down were over there getting autographs from the guys that they just put on real TV. So he just buried them right there in the locker room. Oh. I always thought that was pretty funny. That, that was only one of the you know stories I have about Mike Jackson because he he really he buried the guys he brought with him. You know, did I bring wrestlers or did I bring marks? You know, and so um, anyway, if you're out there, Mike uh, uh, Jeremy, the professor Vilmer, he has an American AWA title. Uh, I'm not saying he's put it online right now, but if he does. Maybe you'll be first contender. How's that? See, I can't even use being an old man with a bad heart to get out of this. No. The guy's the guy's the guy's twenty five years older than me. <laughs> yeah, he's in great shape and is yeah. good wrestling. I think he caught wrestling too in school. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was a wrestling football coach. I, you know, you can you can check that out, folks. But I but I know one thing: he was a hell of a good damn TV enhancement uh, guy because you know people would specifically go in and ask for a guy like that back in the day. Oh yeah, you know make them look good on a Saturday morning or what have you. Well, so. and the other thing is, if you go to facebook.com slash action dot Mike dot Jackson, you'll find him. There you go. There you go. All right, Mike, we're putting you over there, buddy. Uh, speaking of which, before we go on to number five, Jeremy, I'm going to give us a, a book plug real quick. How about that? Oh, that sounds fantastic. Since All we're right. Well, since we're talking about enhancement, guys, and we keep using the phrase, pin me, pay me. There you go. Thank you. That's what I was waiting for the segue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so my first book is Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Booth with Travel. So... All my books, I got ebooks available, but my main two wrestling books are available on Amazon. But I'm going to tell you a quick way that you can get to Amazon. And also, if you purchase a book, this show, the Bell to Bell Bobby Blade podcast, podcast gets a little bit of kickback on it, and we appreciate that. So the way the professors lined this out, if you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, That'll take you right to Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost with Travel. And that was my first book that I came out with. Um, I appreciate that very much. If you purchase one, purchase one for a friend. It's probably not kid-friendly, so don't purchase it for a kid. This is an adult, just like adult arena here, like we do here on a podcast, of course. My second book, which came out a couple years ago, called I Kicked Out on Two, The Education of a Wrestler. Um, it just talks more about, you know, life outside of wrestling. Some stories back when I was on a road and traveled, I'm going to share one with you here in a little bit, actually out of the book. Um, but anyway, if you go to tinyurl.com slash blaze book two, 
That'll take you right to the site. You can download the books or ebooks or anything, but if you purchase the book, which we appreciate, I get a smile on my face. The professor gets a little bit. When I say folks, when a show gets a little bit, it, it's just a little bit, but it does help. The Amazon uh, affiliate program does give the professor some kickback, and hopefully that'll help you know sponsor our show a little bit, and we appreciate that very much. So again, pin me, pay me, have boost with travel. That's at tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, or I kicked out on two, the educational wrestler go to tinyurl.com slash blaze book two that's cool professor how are you well that was uh that was a nice segue and um mm. you know i i i keep thinking about a couple things here uh this week our bruiser brody episode did our first big 24 hours that we've done since we've been back we had a nice yeah we had 120 listens in the first 24 hours so um guys I, i'd like to see us see if we can get to 130 this time so nice. I, yeah as you're listening to this if you could just go and share it tell a friend uh telegraph tell a pro wrestler tell somebody there you go there yeah. you go that's coming um, <laughs> good one we, but, we we do appreciate it. and you were sending me the updates on that. I do appreciate that very much. So it was the, so it's how many 120 in the first 24 hours? Yes, sir. All right, all right. Yeah, let's shoot for 130 this week, folks. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, go ahead and tweet it out or tweet it out a couple times. Let's uh, let's try to get this to some new people that haven't haven't listened to us yet. Um, and uh, you know we're hoping to be by you know in the next couple months or next couple weeks actually up to 200 in the first 24 because yeah. uh, you know we'd like we've got some momentum since we've been back we have actually changed our recording schedule because we were going to have a lot of breaks built in so we didn't burn out but we realized getting to and maintaining momentum was going to be more important so uh, we're making a commitment to put these shows out regularly and uh, we'd like a little commitment from you guys to help us get the word out Absolutely, and I appreciate that, guys. The uh, first 120 that listened, and all how many that end up downloading it, we appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Wrestling fans, thanks. Absolutely. Mm. All right, Bobby. Now this next fella here is another guy you're gonna have to clue me yeah. into a little bit. We got number five is Bob Cook. Yeah. All right, man. Well, Bob Cook's just one of my favorites, and I he was a Malenko guy, okay, and he was there ahead of me, and um. So basically, Bob Cook, when I got to Florida, um, I'd heard who Bob Cook, just Bob Cook's name, Bob Cook's name, because he had been through the school while I was training. Of course, Sean Waltman or X-Pac was one of my uh, early training partners and ended up being rooming together down in Florida quite a bit and become close friends uh, during that time period in our lives. And so we would go, we would still go to all the wrestling shows we could, even though we're at training school and, you know, we're, we're not even, you know, I think we're booking some indie shows for from Lincoln's school and stuff. So we're going to go to a championship uh, over at the Sportatorium, uh, Championship Professional Wrestling Florida, or Florida Championship Professional Wrestling. Where he goes, man, we'll go over and we're going to watch the the the, the greatest wrestler in florida right now bobby he said you got to see this guy well i'd already heard his name but i hadn't seen him right mm -hmm. and so we go over to the sportatorium and um that night bob cook's on a card now i can't tell you who bob cook put over that night in florida at the sportatorium but i know they had a hell of a match man and so uh uh can't remember his friend's name uh that was with him it was a bodybuilder type guy so we all go to the village in to eat afterwards and I get to meet Bob Cook after hearing all these great stories about Bob Cook, you know, because he also wrestled as um, 
the, the superstar, okay? And I know there was a little bit of heat there, but he, he become uh, the mass superstar in Florida. And Bob could just work his ass off. I always kid him. You've heard me say it on this podcast before I said it in one of my books. Bob's got the second pun- greatest punch in professional wrestling, uh, the first being, you know, Bobby Eaton, beautiful mm-hmm. Bobby Eaton. Something about the Bobs and the Bobbies. We know how to punch. <laughs> Working, you know. So, uh, But uh, we're sitting at the Village Inn, and, and Sean and I sitting there with Bob and one of the other guys that done Florida TV at that time. And uh, Bob Cook just looks up, and he goes, so – uh, don't even look at me. He looks at Sean. He goes, because Sean knew him for years at that point because Sean was such a young fan and, and, and Bob's closer to my age. And there's a little bit of age difference between Sean and, and, and Bob and Sean and myself. And he goes, so is this guy the drizzling shits or can he work? <laughs> and I'm sitting right there like, come on, man. Right. You know, because I'm thinking I'm just learning. I'm doing the best I fucking can. But he also knows I'm Kentucky. He's heard my name. And I think it's a rib looking back, you know. But, but yeah, Sean goes, no, no. You know, he, 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 he's learning to work, man. He's going to be all right, you know. And so Bob started putting me over at that point. And I went and done some TVs eventually. And, and he was there in Florida as the mass superstar, which, of course, was a takeoff of the, you know, Malenko had uh, originally uh, – Managed and helped Bill Eady at one point, you know, at that yeah. deal. So that was a tie in there. And and Bob, I always said this about Bob Cook, too, just so you know. He's worked on all the WCW, NWA way back in the day, uh, WCW, WWF TV, putting people over, putting people over. I think he had a good match with uh, uh, Dick Murdoch one here not too long ago, up passed through. That's, that's, you know, there's all kinds of matches that you, you just type in Bob Cook and you'll find them on YouTube. But um, I always said this, Bob Cook. Uh, done Terry Funk better than Terry Funk because Bob Cook at one point, I, I can't speak for today, but I would imagine it's still true. Terry Funk was his all-time favorite wrestler, and he ended up becoming a really good friend with, with Terry and Dory Funk Jr. too. Um, in fact, he worked in the Tennessee Territory at one time with the Mighty Yankees. and Anyway, whatever. Bob Cook was just a tremendous talent out there. I just want to get that out to, to you. But he could do the best Terry Funk impersonation of anyone I've seen other than Terry Funk being Terry Funk. And Bob Cook and work his ass off and take those Funker bumps. And he was the first person I met in real life that had the actual Terry Funk boots, the, uh, the Tenny Llamas. And you'll see him on TV doing, uh, being enhancement talent, we'll say, in his Tenny Llama boots. Uh, uh, you know, like, like Terry Funk used to wear the tuxedo, even though those really nice cowboy boots that had the wrestling sole on them. And I ended up getting me a pair at one point, and I still got them. It's my favorite pair of boots of all time. But, uh, yeah, that's just my Bob Cook stories, and I just want to get his name out there. And, um, you know, you'll find them uh, just popping up here and there on, on any of those YouTube videos or if you're on Twitter and you follow, you know, the old uh, NWA and stuff like that, um, you'll see him around. And I think um, – that site was 105 North Albany. I think I sent you, Jeremy, on YouTube. They have a bunch of uh, championship professional wrestling from Florida on there from like 85 through like 87, 88. And you might see Bob Cook pop up on there too. So uh, just one of my favorites. And I thought you should make the list, uh, you know, because it is, you know, just it is what it is. Good podcast. That we're talking about these guys. And um, he knew what his job was, and he was good at it, by God. um yeah okay so i'm gonna have to go check him out because i i do not know much about him uh bobby i want to say that the channel name you sent me was 106 north albany 106 north albany okay Okay, yeah yeah. thank you did you get a chance to check it out yeah now i'm doing that from memory my memory's shady as hell these days yeah yeah. well hopefully the next guy or two you're going to recall because that's all i really want to say about bob cook but i know you know a lot more 
even though I know who these this guy or these guys are, I'll let you talk a bit more about them for number four since I've talked so much more about Bob Cook on number five, okay? All right. So number four is the Mulkies. Oh, hey, hey, we're the Mulkies. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so these guys had a zero, zero and 180 <laughs> record. Um, so, but... They were I just they were NWA Saturday night, man. If there was a tag match yeah. coming up, they yeah. were they were the cats standing in the ring already. Is it really yep. you know I didn't even put their names there. Randy and David, I think, were their names. Of course I didn't even bother with their first names because in my head they're just the Mulkies. <laughs> you know, they're just they're they're one thing made of two people. Um they did get one they did get one win that I could find, definitely, and that was against George South and Gary Royal as the gladiators. Yep. Let me stop you right there real quick, okay? Mm -hmm. I was teaching school at this time. I hadn't gotten to the business yet. I was trying to break in, of course, in the mid-'80s there. And I was uh, uh, an instructional assistant at school. And when I got to school on that – and, of course, all these kids knew I was a wrestling fan. When I got to school on that Monday after they won, uh, man, every kid that knew – they're like, the monkey's got to win. The monkey's got to win. <laughs> I ran this computer lab for these kids, and they would come in with their, their special teacher would send them down to, to, to learn computers. Again, this is the mid-'80s, folks. Uh, Three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk out there, geek is cast, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, new computer system for the school system in a small town. But anyway, uh, all these kids would come in in between every class. They're like, hey, Mr. Smedley, the monkey's got to win. The monkey's got to win. So anyway, go ahead. Um. <laughs> Sorry, that just that caught me off guard. Now I can only find. Well, I just thought of it. It's true. No, no, that's I, I that's. Popped, I popped when I saw the notes and it said zero and the hundred eighty record. I popped for that. Yeah. So, um, so apparently that was before they got the win over the Gladiators, or yeah. the, or those are Goldberg numbers. I'm not really sure <laughs> how those work. Um, yeah, they so, might have been inflated a little bit. Yeah. So now, what I could find, or one of the things I could find, um is that guys like to work with these guys so much because the Mulkies put the other tag teams over so well, sold so well, yeah. that guys like the Road Warriors would tip back to them after a match. They'd like take some of their payday and pay the Mulkies with it too. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, man. No, it's, um, you know, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that's a thing because, <clears throat> you know, having, like when I was in high school, I was a dishwasher and having the bartenders give you money at the end of the shift was always really nice. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a bar uh, back, same thing when you're a bar back, that yeah. bartender kicks something back, you know. Uh, by the way, it's Bill and Randy. I'm sorry. Bill and I Randy, just, uh, okay. Drawing a, I was drawing a blank on name, too, when you said that. I just I just want to let you know that's who it was. Bill, Bill and Randy, by the way. So no disrespect there, guys. Yeah, that was, that was completely unintentional because I did spend hours yesterday reading about you to make sure I had all the shit in my head. And, of course, that's what fell out were their actual names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so apparently it was Jim Coronet who coined the phrase <laughs> Mulky Mania, which is a phrase that lives to this day. If you go to a Ooh, local yeah. wrestling show and they're in the neighborhood, you know, you got people there with Mulky Mania signs and shirts. Um, yeah. I don't really see it was after the Midnight Express beat them. Uh, Cornette made a off offhand remark about Mulky Mania running wild, which is really <laughs> which is really him shitting on the Hulkster. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, not even talking about these guys because these guys were doing their thing, right? It yeah. was him. It was him taking a jab at Hulk Hogan. Yeah. 
That's pretty funny. And them guys, though, they would take those crazy-ass bumps. There's a, oh, man, I've got it saved uh, under my locks. It's, it's been about a month ago. There's a spot at fucking uh, Bobby Bobby Eaton suplexes one of them on the concrete, man. Body slams him and suplex him on the concrete. And there's another one, one of the guys just running through the ropes. And just, it, they're taking crazy bumps for all these guys. No wonder Road Warriors. I wouldn't be surprised at the midnight, probably rock and roll. I wouldn't be surprised if all these guys didn't give him guys a little bit of kickback, like you said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, deservingly so. They made everyone look good, thus being enhancement talent. That's it. That knew their job. That's it. Well, that's, you know, I mean, these guys who look like they could stomp the shit out of you, it's guys like the Mulkies who gave them the look of being able to do that. Yeah, especially you got guys built like the Midnight Express, and then, then of course, you jump up to guys the size of the Road Warriors and the Rush and the stuff, and then you got the guys in there, the Mulkies, you know, that Bill and Randy from down in, uh, uh, I can't think of the town there in South Carolina, Anderson, South Carolina, wherever it was, and they're up there doing TVs every week, and like you said, people saw and if that wasn't inflated, you're talking about four time, three out of the four times of the month to get to that zero and 180 record, you know, over the course of a couple, a year and a half there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, man, that's uh, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, and I think those guys still make some appearances at these um, uh, shows, if I'm not mistaken, some of the trade shows and stuff that go around, autograph signings and stuff like yes, that. Yes, they, they do. So that's cool. Yeah, I saw that's that. Cool I, I did come across that yesterday. Um Oh, just I hate when that happens. I had a, I had a thought that I was getting ready to say, and then the whole thing fell apart. Yeah, that's All right. okay. Well, you know what? Then we're we're just gonna keep moving here. Keep on moving, man. Let's go to number three, man. Yeah. Number... How about this, Professor? Do me a favor. Yes. You've done an excellent job organizing all these notes. Give yourself a pat on the back, would you? No, oh, I well, thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to use the I don't want to use the word hero casually, but um, I do appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Well, in honor of number three, you can pat yourself on the back, <laughs> Barry Horowitz. Okay, that's there it. There you go. There you go. Barry Horowitz coming to number three. He was trained by the Malenkos, man. Um, he was uh, another Florida guy. Um, now I don't, you know, I've heard everything from him having two left feet to to you know dropping out and having to come back and start, you know, because he just, he got frustrated. And of course, uh, I knew he had been through the school, but the time I'd met him though, he was doing, uh, TVs for, for WWF, like real regular and, or got to know who he was, that he was a Malenko trainee as well as what I was getting at. And that he's making over six figures a year doing TV at that time. And I can't remember which WrestleMania it was, but, um, I know, uh, not to, not to speak out of school, but, but basically, while I was at the school, someone made mention that the WWF at that time used to send all the talent that, that was on the roster a little bonus around WrestleMania time. And, and like, he wasn't even on the WrestleMania and got, like, a check for, like, $1,500 or something. You know what I'm saying? That's just oh. how good they were. He made good money back in the day. Uh, but before that, of course, he wrestled um, down in championship wrestling Florida and, and built himself up. So I think Barry ended up making a very, very good living for himself. Um, I, I didn't know some of the other names he went by, but I do recall he went by um, Windless Jack Hart down there. And then on that uh, Battle of Belt you had sent me, he was being managed by, um, uh, what's his name there, Percy Pringle. And he was the, the NWA Florida heavyweight champion. Yeah. And he lost 
he lost on that on that um, 1985 card or whatever it was there uh, at the at the Sun Dome there in Florida. But um, you want to add anything? Because I got a little funny Barry Howard story I'm gonna share with once. So I, I want you to talk about Barry, say what you want to say, and, and and I'll tell you a funny little story, and, and we'll move on to number number two here. Well, so you know, there's parts of wrestling that have very troubling racial history. And uh, I remember one of the first times I was convinced that wrestling was a little more racist than I realized is when Hava Nagila played while he was on his way to the ring. <laughs> um, I was like, ooh, I, I don't know if that really plays the best. Now, one of the things I came across with uh, Barry Horowitz is that he is still out there doing meet and greets, and you can find his Facebook page, uh, which I did not grab the address for because I was half-assing it by this point and playing with my grandson instead of doing my regular job here. Uh, but he was also the subject of a rap song by a guy named Action Bronson, which ups- okay. which upset Barry Horowitz because no permission was given for that song to be made. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I'll tell you a funny little Barry Horowitz story, and we'll go on, okay? Now, mm-hmm. I got to know Barry eventually. I met him on several shows here and there, and then we got hired in WCW uh Back when when I got hired in, I was doing some contracts and and, and this and that. And Barry came back into the scene. Uh, this and, and by the way, he had a big run in WWF with Chris Candido. They actually done a a, a, a series, I think, um, back in the day. So a little program, and he had a he had a T-shirt on there. So anyway, there you go. Uh, but Barry Barry had this book. Uh, I won't say a black book, but what was called a black book, you know, for whatever. And it was, uh, you know, keep you keep. He kept all the names of all the best gyms that every city he went to, with the address and phone number. And he'd know to call that gym that they let you work out free or what have you. And also the same with hotels. He knew the best rates on hotels and rented cars and gyms. And he'd have a little book and he'd show me. He'd like, you know, this is pre pre-internet type thing too. Uh maybe it's just now coming in, I should say. Uh and and cell phone were not and everyone didn't have one, let's just say it. But anyway, yeah. basically he had kept all this stuff and we had traveled back in in uh you know mid eighties, early uh nineties with WWF and stuff. And so he's like, one time we're in Detroit or something, he's like, Oh Bobby pulled out the book, you know, go to this gym right here. This is where you get in free, just tell him with WCW, blah, blah, blah. And you know, always cool. So it got into a thing where Barry and I now I wrote about this and I kicked out on two the educational wrestler, okay? So I don't want anything, nothing personal out there, this and that, just telling you this is this is something that happened between Barry and I. We got into a thing where he'd uh, say, Bobby, how much, after telling you that story, like, Bobby, how much you pay for a hotel? And I'd be like, I got a single for like, you know, $34.95 or whatever down at the, the fucking Ramada where he goes, oh, man, you missed out. Bud just got it for $29.95. He was always, Bobby, what'd you pay for, you know, did you go to that free gym? What'd you pay for your rental car whatever? And that, he always got the best price, Okay. So I fly into this town. I don't know which town. If I, to this day I can't remember it. Okay, I'll just tell you that. And again, this is in this. This is in my book. Um, so actually, you know what? Barry Horowitz put me over. Barry Horowitz put me over in Corpus Christi, Texas. I just thought of that. I went up to Arn. I talked to me. He said, "Bobby, you you and Barry fifty fifty. You're going over." And that was at catering, like the first time through. I went back to catering, was hanging out. I saw Barry. I walk over, I'm like Barry. What do you want to do for a finish tonight? Make it real easy. Uh, Arn just, he goes, how, 
who's going over? And I said, I am. He goes, how oh, you know? I go, Arn just told me. He goes, that, that you're, you're lying. I go, no, I'm going over. <laughs> I did it very respectful too. You know what I'm saying? I said, whatever you want to do. You know, I'm not going to do a Northern Lights suplex one. Y'all just, you know, set me up. And I, I think he took it out of a three quarter Nelson or something. And anyway, I just thought about it. Damn it. But anyway, my story, back to my story <laughs> there. Okay. Um, Professor, yes, I haven't had a beer, just so you know. But point of my story, so Barry I, always beat me on prices, this and that, and it, it becomes this little competition thing. And I fly into this town. What was it? Could be Corpus Christi. I don't know where it was at, but I do know I wrestled him there. But anyway, um, I go to the Avis counter and I, to get my card I had reserved, right? And I had this special with them. And 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 for to keep the story simple, I had a price of like fourteen ninety nine for a rent a car. And uh, the guy sitting there, this is pre-911, just so you know, too. So things are a little bit looser in different airports. So I go to the counter, and, and I tell the guy my name. And, and he goes, um, he goes, yes, sir. And I look up, and I see B. Horowitz on the reserve, the reservation uh, written, you know, on a, one of the, key, the keys, you know, the, the little cars. They put the keys on cars. And I said, hey, man, I said, uh, sir, I said, is that, uh, that B. Horowitz? I said, can you do me a favor? I said, double check that for me and see if that's uh, Barry Horwitz. There's a couple other wrestlers around, and like I said, they were more lax back then at the airport and stuff. So a guy looks over and he goes, yes, that's Mr. Horwitz. said, yeah. And I said, um, I, I just about guarantee he's got the same price as me, uh, $14.99, right? And I, I said, can you do me a favor? And I said, whatever his price is, whatever it is, make mine one cent cheaper, okay? Can you do that for me? And the guy's like laughing. I go, just believe me. It's just non, it's an ongoing thing. Just let me do this. And the guy, he gets on his little computer, whatever. He, he goes, I, I tell you, I can do you one better. He said, the way it's set up, he goes, the, the cheapest I get to you is, is $14.95. So I was like, fuck, I'm beating Barry by four fucking pennies. Not, not, you know, I'm going to get him this time. I'm getting a rented car, you know, five cent cheaper or whatever. And so I'm getting excited about this. You hear my voice now. Too. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I get the damn rent a car. I'm thinking I got that damn Barry this time. I Because we're making a joke. It's every two, every three weeks, whatever you're on the road. And you see these guys two and three days at a time. And, you you know, you get you had you had to do shit to keep your mind going. And so when I get to the building, put my bag down, whatever, I go into catering. And there's Barry sitting there eating. I don't think a thing about it because in my mind I've already got him. And I don't realize well, fuck, I done picked up my car. He hadn't picked up his car yet, you know, so uh, I just go right up to him, and he's talked to a couple guys, you know, Barry Darson, a couple guys that, you know, we used to goof around with and rib around with, so I wasn't, like, being rude and interrupting the conversation. I said, Barry, I said, I got you, man. I said, I got you good. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, man, I said, I, when I got to Avis, I said, dude, I got my car for fourteen ninety five, and you had to pay fourteen ninety nine plus taxes and stuff. And he looked up and he started, he goes, no, nah, Bobby, I got you. He goes, I ended up going over at budget. They gave it to me for $13.95. <laughs> I said, you son of a bitch, you. And, of course, everyone sitting at the table there, they just started cracking up too, man, because, I, I, you know, the yoke was on me. You know what I'm saying? It was, uh, But anyway, uh, like I said, man, I might have kicked that too, and I got the win over him. But I tell you what, I sure as hell couldn't beat Barry Horwitz anywhere else because, man, he just laughed and he said, "Yeah, I went over at budget and I got it for thirteen ninety five or whatever it was, a whole dollar cheaper." And like, okay, man, you're you're the champion. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed that story. 
I'm putting him at number three on this list. And uh, again, take it for what it's worth. This is fun times on a road and you have to do stuff to keep you mentally sane out there sometimes. And that's just, and I shared that story and I kicked out on two to education wrestling. That's the kind of the stories I tell in my books. So anyway, Barry Horowitz, pat yourself on the back. You're number three on the top 10 Bella to Bella Bobby plays podcast, all time enhancement talents. I'll let the professor take you to number two. All right. With number two, we are going to go to Steve Lombardi. All right, man. Tell us all about him because everyone has to know one of, if not, who Steve Lombardi is of all the uh, things, gimmicks he had. Yeah. um, So the younger members of our audience aren't really going to remember the Saturday and Sunday syndicated wrestling programs that we used to get. But they were usually five squash matches in an hour. Mm-hmm. And I could swear I saw five episodes where Steve Lombardi was in every match. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> yeah. um, no, this guy. I mean, this guy had a long wrestling career—33 years with the WWE. Yeah, that's a long time. That's great. Yeah, that's um, good talent enhancement. Yeah. Now he is also one of the few guys I could think of that was always kind of in the um, the you know like. Um, the, enha- the enhancement position, but he was actually managed by Bobby Heenan early in his WWF career. Okay. Um, so I don't know if they had plans for him and just realized like this is where he shines. I don't know what happened, but I, I just thought that was interesting to point out because Heenan was not the kind of guy who usually took uh, clients that were not, you know, quote unquote winners. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, now, I, the thing I found most interesting, of course, about Steve Lombardi is from 93 to 94, he had five gimmicks. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I remember the one. I'm going to say the one, and you can tell us the other one, but I remember him being the Brooklyn Brawler, and I think a lot of our listeners remember him being the Brooklyn Brawler, if not by Steve Lombardi. That would be one of the earlier ones I think that people you know may relate to. Yeah, um, well, and I think that would be his. So his, he had five in one gimmick, one year, I mean? Yeah, he had five in a year, basically. Jeez. MVP, Doink the Clown, The Red Knight, Kim Chi, which was Kamala's handler, I believe. Right, yes. Uh, he was the Brooklyn Brawler and Abe Knuckleball Schwartz because in 94, uh, uh, pro baseball was about to go on strike. Yes, that's correct. And so the WWF, this was them getting ready for their, hey, we don't go on strike, hey, we don't have seasons. And so they created Abe Knuckleball Schwartz as the wrestling baseball player. Yeah, and what's crazy is, I didn't see all this list last night, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I was just running through things in my head that, you know, you do as you're unwinding and whatever. And I was thinking, what other gimmick? I know Lombardi had a baseball gimmick, and I couldn't think it. And one of the last thing I thought was like, fucking Abe Knuckleball Sports, that's what it was. And then today the when I looked at the notes, and I was like, man, I'm so glad the professor got that right because uh, it wasn't driving me crazy or anything like that. It was just something I thought about, like, who? Uh, what was his other gimmick? I remember him doing several other gimmicks, you know, but I could, I knew he'd done the baseball. I knew the Brickland Brawl like I said, but the baseball one, and that that one kind of like, oh, okay, that's cool that you remember that one too, man. I forgot he was Doink, and I forgot he had been uh, Tim Chi. Now, the Red Knight, was that under a hood, or what did he, what'd he do on that? He wear yeah. face paint, or what was um, he I think the Red Knight was under a hood, and it was part okay. of a, it was part of a factioning thing that he was okay, in. Okay, okay. Um, 
Yeah, the Kim Chi one was that. See, I couldn't remember Kim Chi, but then I started like looking through things and realized right. that he was that was basically the equivalent of a Friday or one of yeah, those. Yeah, and I think I remember that actually. I really do. Um, now that you're saying that, you know, I, I think I remember knowing as who it was underneath that gimmick because he he did like you said the Friday uh, type gimmick with the uh, hat with the mask that um, blocked out who he was with like a safari type outfit on or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the the cool. all the all tan dungarees with the pith helmet. Yes, yeah. yes, sir. Yes, thank you. All right, man. Well, Steve Lombardi's number two. I tell you what, we're going to do real quickly. I'm going to go through this, um, give you the top ten before we introduce number one here. I wonder if anyone out there is guessing who it might be. I don't know. I think his name's been mentioned a couple of times on this show already. But before we get there, my um, honorable mention went out to Hustler Rip Rogers. Give him a follow on Twitter. Find him and give him a follow. I think it's Hustler, like 20. Uh, it's got a number behind it. You'll find him. Uh, but number 10 was the Italian Stallion. Number nine, S.D. Jones. Number eight, Rocky King. Number seven, I'll let Jeremy, the professor, Millman or uh, Vol- uh, Vilmer tell you who number seven was. Who was that? And number seven uh, was Jake the Milkman Milliman. There we go. And that was a great recall right there, man. Uh, number six was Mike Jackson. Um, Bob Cook, a personal favorite I put on the list here, and I appreciate the professor working with me. I had to get Bob on the list. Number four, hey, hey, where's the Malkies? Yeah, there we go. Number three was Barry Horowitz. And as you just heard, we talked about Steve Lombardi number uh, two. How about number one, Professor? Who do we decide was going to be number one? For Really, anyone on this list could be number one. It's just the way we put them in order to present a podcast to you folks. But tell us who it was, Professor. Well, you know what? we we got to quit doing that. We're going we're gonna to start being more definitive when we rank things. This is scientifically proven. This well, is the order the true. top ten go in. We are experts on pro wrestling, uh, pro wrestling opinion specifically. Um, we are experts on this, and this is the top ten scientifically provable, the unrefutable top ten in the world today this week. Uh, number one is George South. All right, man. What a good guy. Better guy you'll not find than George South. Man, he got put over Ric Flair's book. You know what I'm saying? Flair come in on a Saturday and point to him. He got he drove around carrying Ric Flair's robes from town to town. And when they got to that studio on a Saturday, that's one of the guys we was talking about earlier, like the Malkies. That's the guy they picked out and said, right there, that's who I want to be in a ring with because they knew if they got in the ring with George South, they was going to have one hell of a good match. He was going to help get them over to the best of his ability and do everything he can. Uh, to do that, man. And uh, George is just one of those guys. He's still out there doing it today. And I'm going to let Jeremy back up and, and tell you a couple of different little things about about um, George. Uh, I saw George a couple years ago at a WrestleCade, man. George is just one of those great good guys. Uh, just want to let you know he's got a book out there. Um, it's it's uh, Dad, You Don't Wrestle, or You Don't Work, You, you Wrestle, I think's the name of it. You Don't Work, You Wrestle. Yep. Um, and uh, anyway, if you go to tinyrail.com slash bbgsouthbook, she'll get a little kickback. George would be real happy uh, that he could um, got a book sale out of it, and he's just one of the good guys in professional wrestling. I'm going to let Jeremy fill you in with some facts here, then we'll finish up with, uh, out after George South, okay? All right, so George South. All right. Uh, George South is one of the guys who cut a cut a uh, promo for us. Actually, at yeah, Texas requested a show one time. Yep. 
So we we do have that, and I should probably be making use of those again. Um, Yeah, we should. Yeah, but George broke into uh, championship wrestling from Florida in 1984, and I think you were right. Everybody on this list broke in in the first half of the 80s. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I think everybody here was like 84 and down. Um, The cool thing, George South, like you are saying, like Ric Flair singled him out. If you go back, you watch George South matches, he always gets some offense in. Yeah. And, and he, he, when he's a heel, he's good at getting heat, too. And uh, he gets heat without getting nasty. Now, George is a born-again Christian, which is one of the reasons I've never thought we should interview him. Um, yeah, I always thought about that, too. <laughs> um, you know, I love George, and he knows that, and I tell him that. And I, I love to have him on the show, but I don't know if this is the appropriate audience for him, to be honest with you. Well, I just uh, – No think- disrespect to George. I think about you and me dropping f bombs as casually as yeah, we do, and I just yeah. I just don't want to be offensive to anybody, you know. Exactly, nothing but respect for George. Yeah. Um, so in the NWA, uh, he was the Georgia Junior Heavyweight Champion in 1986. Okay, cool. Over at Georgia Championship Wrestling, of course, this is coming at the very tail end of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah. Because, you know, Black Friday and all that stuff's coming up. Right. Um, now, I will tell you something real quickly, too. I know one, he's like Rocky King, was talking about hanging out down there at the Crockett uh, uh, offices and stuff or after the wrestling shows and stuff. I know George South hit the road when he was, like, real young, like 18 years old to wrestle. And one of the ways he got on at Crockett, he would go over there and he'd be mowing a lawn, if I'm not mistaken, at the Crockett offices and stuff, you know, and and willing to drive, like I said, Ric Flair's robes around and stuff. He was willing to do whatever it took to get a job in professional wrestling because there's guys that love the wrestling business so much that when you're in it, you do not care to go out and do your job for that night. You look forward to it and you love your job that much. And then from there, so around 84, 85, uh, after Florida championship wrestling and then going into Crockett's and now he's up to uh, 86 with the uh, NWA Georgia junior heavyweight championship going professional. I just want to let you know if there's a will, there's a way. And George made a heck of a career being talent enhancement, man. Yeah. Um, So uh, George also, he, his, I, I hate to use, there are certain terms I hate using. Move set yeah. is one of them, but I have to use it to really. So George's move set is really put together to honor stars of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Wahoo McDaniel, Blackjack Mulligan, Brute Bernard, Tutan Harris, Paul Jones, Ricky Steamboat, Tully Blanchard, the Andersons. So he kind of picks and chooses moves that he can flash back to like guys who were his favorites. Yeah, and Paul Jones, number one Paul Jones, he he let George South do that gimmick. So George South does the the number one George South too. So oh, he did get to do okay. That. Yes, that's that's yeah. Check that. You can check that out. Fact checked on that. But but number one Paul Jones uh, uh, bestowed upon him our respect for each other. I guess he told George South he could use the uh, number one George South uh, gimmick. That's pretty cool. Oh, anyway, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I didn't realize that that was like an official thing or anything. Um, and then I guess really the last point about George is that he is active in the ministry. So like guys yes. like DiBiase and Nikita Koloff. Could you imagine like going to church and there's Nikita Koloff like preaching? There you at go. You? That that'd yeah. be kind of wild. And, and and that's why I say, Jeremy, I just want to put this out there. Nothing but respect for George South. He ends up being number one. He's got that book out there. Dad, you don't work, you wrestle. Um, if that's why I say because I'm thinking he'll put some of his book money back into his ministry. And it probably says that right there in the book. Uh, I'm pretty sure, excuse me, it does. But go to tinyurl.com, BBG South book, and the show will get a little bit of kickback, and George will be happy about it. And um, I know we've got a couple other things we're going to tie up. I tie, end up tying up our end of our podcast, Tongue Tying. 
I've got, I'd like to promote something else if we don't have anything else to say about George South, if that's okay. Jump on it, man. Okay, so I heard from our friend Casey King, okay? And apparently there's a gentleman around here who's a wrestling fan. Um, I won't say his name or anything. I don't, don't think that needs to be said at this point. But he's not doing too well. Uh, but uh, if you go to Casey, Kentucky Casey King, uh, this gentleman uh, needs some medical assistance, and they're doing an online show. Um, again, this show's available on streaming on September 19th, and I'll probably talk about it at least one more time on here. And um, Casey just asked me what I'd do for a personal, you know, promo for him, and I said I would. And the gentleman, um, the, all the money is going to his family. It's a minimum donation of $10, okay? It's going to feature people that's been on our show before, uh, FTC champion Jock Sampson, and, of course, uh, Chance Prophet, you heard from him earlier this year on the show. And then uh, Casey King will be in there. And ex-division uh, champion uh, Jake Christ is going to be on there. But anyway, if you need any information about that, uh, just hit Casey King up at – it's at KY Casey King across all medium uh, platforms, all social media platforms. Casey, there's your plug. I, I hope you do good on the show. I know I'm going to personally just donate $10. Um, he, he is, it's going to be no fans in the building. I know that. I know he invited me. I'm going to say right now, I will not be a Tet show folks, you know, no fans or not, but I'll support and donate at least $10. And I hope you do too. Um, again, just get a hold of Casey on his, uh, at KY Casey King. And I appreciate the professor. Let me, uh, uh, promote that this week on a podcast. And I have to say, um, without running too much farther on my words here, Professor, thanks for putting these notes in order like you do, and thanks for all the work you do on this podcast. And I, I know this was an official top ten, like you said, and it, it is a perfect top ten this week. So thank you. Uh, well, thank you. I mean, obviously, you know, this is a shared experience. The both of us put this list together. Um, I do want to say, yeah, if if you have a spare ten bucks and can help help out by picking this up through Casey King again, that's at KY Casey King. Um, also you may have the chance for just $10 to watch Jock Sampson get his ass kicked and lose the title. <laughs> and there's no better way to spend 10 bucks as far as I can tell. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, man. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it and I'll let you close out the show. Folks, listen. I don't know what to tell you, man. We talked about anxiety earlier in the program, just anxious times out there and stuff. The best thing I can tell you, man, is, is wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. But but for goodness sakes, man, and I believe me, I'm just kind of experiencing this myself this past weekend. Um, take care of your own mental health the anxiety levels and things of what's going on out there in the world and stuff. And professor was talking earlier about the fires in California and, and uh, just everything that's going on, man, uh, in our country and in the world, take care of each other and, and, and be kind to each other if you can. And if nothing else, be kind to yourself and give yourself a mental break sometimes. And uh, just realize, you know, just try to do the best you can every day um, and get by however you have to get by. It's not preaching to you, nothing like that. Just let you know, um, you know, just do your best and be kind to each other and be kind to yourself. And, and anyway, that's, that's what I have to say, Professor. Thank you. Until next week, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>